Hello and a very enthusiastic welcome to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. Seeing ourselves as God's prized possession is the aspect of our Christian identity that Brian takes from the Bible this time and he expands on it for us from the scriptures in the study he's about to share with us. In past weeks, Brian's been uh, looking at how the Bible describes us as being eternally loved, fully forgiven and wonderfully made, as well as many more marvellous things. So let's go to Brian now and see how we're God's prized possession. Thanks, John. The right to self-determination is a prized virtue these days. As belief in a sovereign God declines in the Western world, it appears society at large increasingly believes in human sovereignty and the right of the individual. It's now commonly thought that people should, for example, have the right to determine when their life ends, and others, including medical staff, should be obliged to help them carry out their wishes. It's also considered right that people should have the right to determine their gender whenever they feel it conflicts with their biological sex. Europeans have lately witnessed a quite different expression of self-determination. The people of Catalonia voted in a closely watched regional election, called by Spain following a controversial independence referendum. The snap election pitted Catalan pro-independence parties against those who want the region to remain a part of Spain. Spain dismissed the separatist Catalan government in October 2017 after declaring the referendum to be illegal. As it turned out, pro-independence parties secured a renewed majority in the Catalan parliament. Although the pro-union centre-right citizens were the largest party, the result is a blow to the Spanish Prime Minister's hopes of defusing the crisis in Catalonia. However, one of the leaders of the main pro-independence parties is in jail, another is in self-imposed exile in Brussels and would likely face arrest should he return. That makes whatever happens next highly dependent on the attitude of the Spanish government and judiciary. But imagine there was no nationalism, no difference in language that spawned variations in beliefs and values. Imagine people wanted to combine rather than separate, to unite with the same end in view rather than to squabble over differences. It was once like that, before the nations were separated on the earth after the flood, according to Genesis 10.32. While there had been cooperation, however, in those earlier days, sadly, it wasn't any cooperation that was in line with God's plans. God stepped in at the Tower of Babel, as recorded in Genesis chapter 11, and by confusing their languages and frustrating their single-minded project, he separated off from himself all those who were non-compliant with his master plan. He simply shut out the nations that had already turned their backs on him. God then, in effect, began again by selecting a nation to know his favour. Someone called Peleg lived in the fifth generation from the great flood. The Bible says that it was in his lifetime that the earth was divided, taken here as a reference to the scattering God brought about at the infamous Tower of Babel event. And some further five generations later on from Peleg, God called Abram. This man, 
later known as Abraham, was the individual to whom the God of glory appeared early on in Mesopotamia, calling upon him to separate from his sophisticated urban lifestyle in the cradle of civilization at one end of the so-called Fertile Crescent. God had said, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation. That's in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It was with this man, originally a pagan, that God made a covenant. Genesis 15 and 5 tells us of a time when Abraham was still childless, a time when God took Abraham outside his tent and asked him to look up, look toward the heavens, so shall your descendants be. Abraham believed and it was reckoned as righteousness. This covenant was repeated in the next generation to his son Isaac with an oath and confirmed unto Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant. So Psalm 105 tells us in verses 9 and 10. But two generations later, Abraham's twin grandsons are going head to head in the womb. This would be the birth of two nations. The children struggle together within her, the Bible says, and she said, if it is so, then why am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. This is Rebekah. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. This was Rebekah's womb, of course. They'd prayed through the trial of infertility, then the joy of becoming pregnant. But it's a difficult pregnancy. And here we find Rebekah saying, If this is finally God's will that I get pregnant, why am I having such a difficult pregnancy? She took herself off to God in prayer for a diagnosis concerning her difficult pregnancy, which was absolutely the right thing to do. The diagnosis turned out to be a prognosis. Two nations are in your womb, and right now they're going head to head. It was to be a shape of things to come. Jacob, one of the twins, becomes Israel later in life after wrestling again, but this time with God. Jacob, you see, struggled with his identity, with who he was, especially the fact that he'd been born ever so marginally after his brother Esau. They were twins, but Esau was the firstborn, and his would be the birthright and the expected paternal blessing. When the time came to give it, Jacob disguised himself as his brother. Bear in mind, his father Isaac's eyes were already none too good, and when he asked, what is your name?, Jacob deceptively answered, Esau. This was his underhand way of getting his hands on his brother's blessing. But much later, when the angel of the Lord asked, What is your name? This time he answered, Jacob. That was updated with a correction. You will be no longer Jacob, but Israel. That's what the angel told him. How apt. The circumstances under which it was given and the name itself signified Jacob had been wrestling to get what God had always intended for him anyway. Some make that mistake with salvation. Neither do we have to wrestle that out of God's hands by our own efforts. It's all by his grace. And so those who were Jacob's descendants through his twelve sons, they became the people of Israel. And what's more, they became God's prized possession. Not because they were bigger or better, not because they in any way, shape or form had earned it, 
but simply because God loved them. To be someone's prized possession, that's special. But when that someone is God, in Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 and 9, we find it recorded, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel, for the Lord's portion is his people. Then at the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments, God said in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Let's take one more reading from Deuteronomy chapter 4. What great nation is there that has a God so near statutes and judgments as righteous. Has any people heard the voice of God as you have? Has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm and by great terrors, as the Lord did for you? It's no mean thing to be the prized possession of the magnificent, transcendent God who is the author of all things. But Israel, over time, rejected specialness. They just wanted to be like everyone else. They lost the plot big time. And so the elders of Israel came to Samuel the prophet and said, Appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. First Samuel 8 and 5. They wanted to be like the other nations. In one sense, they didn't have enough of a nationalistic spirit. Worn against a similar mistake, the Lord Jesus said more than once in his famous Sermon on the Mount, do not be like them. That indicates that Israel's exaltation to be a holy nation has lessons for us today. When Peter wrote his first letter to disciples of Christ in five provinces, he viewed them as sprinkled for obedience. They'd purified their souls in their obedience to the truth. He also saw them as coming to the living stone to be built up as a worshipping house. Finally, he saw them as a holy nation, a people for God's own prized possession. Unmistakably, that language was selected as a deliberate echo of what God earlier had said to Israel. Let's not mess up as they did. Think about the Apostle Paul's words to Timothy. Our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good works. We are roused by Scripture to a godly, correct form of nationalism, but reflecting God's own values as God's own people. It would be rather an insult for us to repeat Israel's mistake and suffer from an identity crisis.
I'm sure by now, if you've been following these talks, you're aware that the transcripts of all the talks in this 11-part series are available together in book form, which has the title A Crisis of Identity. So if you'd like a copy, just write in. We'd also be pleased to hear any comments or questions you might have. And I'll be giving you the contact details shortly if you've a pen and paper to hand. The talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. Anyway, to obtain the book, simply ask for A Crisis of Identity and you can use email or post. Here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So that's almost all we have for today. It's been a privilege to have you with us, and I hope you'll join us next time when Brian will be looking into the Bible for the final time in this series, when we're going to find out how to be not of this world whilst still being in it. I hope you'll join us. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you.